Whether you're starting a game or starting your day, you need to pick a starting lineup. And you're going to want the starter from Jack Black. Loaded with the superior skincare the pros love, Kings fans can get the starter for just $10, shipping included. Available exclusively at GetJackBlack.com with the code TEAMJB, the starter has four of Jack Black's best-selling skincare and shave products, plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm, SPF 25, in natural mint. Here's to the winning combination for 2022, the LA Kings and the starter from Jack Black. $10 plus free shipping, available at GetJackBlack.com with the code TEAMJB while supplies last. You're listening to an LA Kings podcast. For more episodes of this and every other Kings program, visit LAKings.com slash podcast. You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the LA Kings. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. I am Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. The Colorado Avalanche are Stanley Cup champions. Congrats to them and to former Kings Jack Johnson, Darcy Kemper, and Curtis McDermott. The games have all been played. The awards have all been won. Now it's finally time for a draft, some trades, free agency. It's officially the offseason. This is our final look at players that could potentially be selected by your LA Kings in Montreal at the draft next week. And here to help us out is Chris Peters. All right, well, the NHL draft blooms ever closer. We've talked about left-shot defensemen that might be available. We have talked about forwards that might fall to later rounds. We've talked about the Swedes, and now we're going to focus in on players that are strong options for the Kings at number 19 to help us do that. The draft analyst for Daily Faceoff, Chris Peters. Welcome back, Chris. Jesse, great to be with you. Always fun to do this. It's always a great time, so uh, so thanks for having me. Now, you did a top 100 article for Daily Faceoff that you're, you ranked – the prospects and I went ahead and uh, omitted all the guys that we've already talked about here and I want to focus in on guys that uh, are, are seem to me like a good spread that might get taken with that 19th pick overall because obviously once you get into the third fourth fifth sixth rounds of the draft who knows man who, <laughs> who knows, knows? <laughs> I don't even know yeah I don't even but, know. Yeah. Uh, but 19 <laughs> 19 you can get yourself a real good player so yeah. looking at your rankings um at number 12 was Marco Casper. We talked to Sixth and Funkfist about him already. He was very positive on him. Thought we had talked about Denton. Uh, I'm going to mess up some of these names, so apologies. But Denton Matejchuk, I thought we had talked yep. about him. I don't think we had, but a left D at 13 on your list. I'm guessing probably won't be available. We talked about Kevin Korczynski. So that brings us to, is it Jagger or Jagger? Jagger. Jagger Furkus. Jagger Furkus. Um, five foot ten, 154 four pounds is on the light side, right shooting center wing. Um, you've got him ranked, what did I say? 15th. What do you like about Jagger Fergus? Well, I, I think I like the the skill and that he has, and he's got one of the best releases in this draft. His shot is outstanding. Um, you know, it gets on the net in a real hurry. Um, you know, I think if if anybody watched the CHL top prospects game, he had a great cut to the middle and and uh, a shot that, you know, just was stunning release and was on the goalie before he really even had a chance to react. And that's a big part of his game. And he's he's got really good puck skills overall. Um, he's not the biggest guy, but he manages to get inside presence and, you know, cuts to the middle with with real ease. And, um, yeah, I mean, he can score from distance. He can score from in tight, um, you know, pretty good pace that he plays with. I think that you, know, you look at his numbers this year, you know, 36, I believe, goals um, in the WHL. And, you know, I think that, you know, the he he was a big time riser for me 
over the second half of the season. I think that he, you know, there were just so many games where I was watching where it's just like, he's such a threat every single time. Um, it seems that he has the puck on his stick. It just seems like, you know, he's a, it, it's a dangerous play um, for his team every, every time he has the puck. So, um, you know, I, I think he'd be interesting. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily know if he's like the, the, the true stylistic fit for the Kings, you know, like team that, that's trying to get faster, heavier, um, you know, he's faster, but he's not heavier, you know, he's, he's on the smaller side. Um, but he is a guy that I think would, it's possible that he would be uh, still on the board at that point. And it's just, you know, you can never have enough goal scoring. You can never have enough skill. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, if you stockpile in that department, then I think you're going to have a, a pretty, a pretty sizable, um, a pretty good prospect system. So, um, and obviously the Kings already have that. I think they're in a position where they can take some of the risks. They can take, you know, a guy that maybe is not the biggest or a guy that's got some flaw that you need to work through. That's going to take some time and development. Um, they, that's the luxury of the prospect system that they've built. Um, so, you know, a guy like Jagger Furcus, WHL player, good score. You know, certainly could be a could be a fit if he's still on the board. Next on your list, number sixteen was Isaac Howard. Now, Isaac Howard comes from the U.S. National Team Development Program. Another five foot ten guy, but he's one hundred and eighty three pounds. Left hand shot, uh, also a forward. What do we know about Isaac Howard? He's probably one of the best stick handlers in this draft. I think he's got some of the best overall puck skills. Um, real good soft touch skills. Um, you know, he was the leading scorer for the under 18 team this season and, um, you know, good shot pass threat. I think he, he scored a lot of goals at the under 18 world championship. He even had a four goal game against Canada, um, in that event and really, uh, just broke out there. Um, you know, I think he is a little bit on the lighter side, you know, or not, you know, he's, he's decent size, but like, you know, he, he needs to be stronger in order to be more effective. Um, he needs to get to the inside a little bit more. I think the thing that his game really uh, focuses on is, is, is timing and space. He, he really does a good job of navigating the offensive zone and, and popping into space, creating more opportunities because he scored a lot of goals, but I wouldn't say that he has one of the best shots. Um, it's just a matter of him getting into the right position and then making a play and, and getting open and, and being uh, being an option for his teammates at all times, which which really makes a, a big difference for him. Um, you know, I think that the fact that he is going to the University of Minnesota Duluth is a great thing for his development. He can round out the defensive elements of his game. Um, you know, I mean, I'm, Kings fans, of course, are going to be familiar with Alex Iafalo and 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 his development. And you look at he he went in there as a as a fringe guy, and he came out as a legit NHL prospect, and now he's a really good NHL player. So um, I love the fact that Isaac Howard. You know, Minnesota kids tend to the the best players are often they want to be gophers, and he made a he made the 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 unique decision to say I want to go to the Minnesota Duluth because that's where they win, and uh, they have been winners. Uh, they've been you know they're always in the mix for the national championship, um, and that was I, I think that was a great decision on his part to go there. Uh, he would have been fine if he went to Minnesota too because they're the things are going well there too. But you know, I just think that he he kind of marches to his own drummer a little bit. And I, I think that that actually stands out to me a little bit more as well as somebody that, you know, um, has a strong desire to win. And and that's one of the reasons why he picked where he went. And I think that's, you know, a good indication of the kind of player and person that he is. Looking at his profile on one of these scouting services, I see in his uh, under construction slash improvements to make column, it just says transitional player and prioritizing leading the rush. Does that mean he is a transitional player? but needs to get better and needs to learn to prioritize leading the rush? Or does that mean he's neither of those things and, and 
they would like to see him add that into his game. I mean, yeah, I think you would definitely like his skill set would suggest that he should be a guy that's often the one that's the zone entry guy. But he played a lot with Frank Nazar this year. And that was Frank Nazar's job, you know, okay. so like that's just I think that's just the the way that it it kind of, you know, you have to take that into account. Um, could he be a play? I think that Isaac Howard can be a play driver no matter what. It just happened that he played with a really good play driving center and that wasn't his job. Um, you know, and so that's that's something that uh, is interesting. It's an interesting note, but I mean, it's not something that I necessarily would say is is something that I, I feel is um you know, a huge, a huge detraction from his game. There are some uh, names on this list with some, they're great names. I don't know <laughs> how they are. Um, I should point out here whether we're skipping over Pavel Mitsukov now at 17, who we talked about in a previous episode. We go to number 18 and I, in contention anyway, for the best name in the draft that I've seen so far, Rutger McGrarty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Six foot, 205 pounds, uh, left, show, left shooting center. And I have heard... He's one of the few names that I've actually heard talked about without going to go looking for it, right? It's a name that has popped up sort of naturally. And I've heard people talk about his his toughness, his meanness, his physicality, whatever you want to call it. Is that reputation well-earned? It is very well-earned. He's all work ethic, um, great in at, at the net front. And the thing about him that I like is he's got all that, but then he's got a tremendous goal scoring ability. He's got a great one timer. He can score from distance. He's con- he he gets inside presence around the net really well. He's you know he's not a towering player. He's about six foot six one maybe, um, and but he's thick and he's hard to move. <laughs> the issue is with him is that he is the, the skating is is a is a major factor in why he's not higher. Um, and why he may actually go lower than I have him is because of the skating ability. I think he's a, I think he's a really, um, competitive player. I think the skating is, it's not good, but it isn't poor, you know, like it's not something that he's going to necessarily, you know, really fall behind. Um, I think that he's got just a real tremendous, um, work ethic and that, 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 that drive, it allows him to, you know, kind of get away from that skating. He, he, he understands timing and space and all those different things. Um, you know, he's not going to be a guy that's leading the rush. He's not going to be a guy that's going to be, um, you know, your, your best transitional asset, but in the offensive zone, he is a major threat. Um, and it's either scoring from distance, scoring from in tight. He, he gets to the middle of the ice extremely well. You look at his goals throughout the season, many of them from a few feet away. Um, I just think he will do whatever it takes to score goals and he will um, also play solid defensively. He can play in any situation you need him to. Um, and he, he was the captain of that under 18 team this season um, at the, at the world championship. And I think that was well-earned and, and just a well-respected guy by both his teammates. And I think a lot of scouts have a lot of uh, tremendous respect for him. I know he was one of the guys that you heard a lot about coming out of the combine as being a great interview and, and a guy that they were really excited about in terms of his character. So here's the strengths that are listed for him. Heavy, accurate shot, creativity, size, strength, two-way game, playmaking, leadership, work ethic. Like that's almost everything. Yep, pretty and, much. And, and, you know, most of these guys' profiles have like two or three listed. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, eight things. And then in the negatives, consistency, which, as we've said in previous episodes, I'm not really concerned with. These are kids. They 
are drafted, developed, they learn consistency. Um, and then skating mechanics. And we've talked a lot about skating this year because the Kings have a defenseman named Jacob Muvrari, who when he was drafted, it was said of him that he might, might be the worst skater in the draft, but might be the smartest player in the draft. <laughs> yeah. um, and I watched him in Ontario, and I was actually just talking to uh, <clears throat> my dad about this the other day. And we were talking about this notion that some guys, you know, can't skate. I'm using air quotes for people at home. I'm watching the Ontario rain and it's game one, or maybe it wasn't game one of the regular season, but it was the first game that I went to and it's overtime three on three. And you've got TJ Tynan and Martin Furk and Jacob Muvrare. If that guy can't skate, then what, then like, come on, <laughs> what's he doing? out there? <laughs> and I've heard people say, you know, professional observers of the sport of hockey watch him this season and say he can't skate. And all I can do is watch him and go like, I don't know. I'm seeing his legs move and he's wearing skates and he's <laughs> propelling himself around the ice. So yeah. How big a deal is it really? Um, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's one of the things that you engage your skating coaches or player development people and say, is this so bad and unfixable? Is this uh, an issue of, is he playing too heavy? Is he, you know, is there something like he's stopping short? I think in, in Rutgers case, his skating has improved this year. And it's not like, I think we, we also have Connor Geeky on the list. It's not as, it's not as big of an issue for McGordy as it is for Geeky. I don't think. Um, and the thing about, there's a difference between, being fast and playing fast. I think that the reason that the hockey sense that, that McGrody has is he's around the puck a lot. And this is the same, it's the same thing with geeky. He's around the puck a ton, Um, you know, playing within your, within yourself, you know, knowing what you can and can't do. um, But also, you know, that anticipation, getting into space, finding, you know, being bigger, um, you know, making sure that that work ethic is at a level that, that, you know, if, if you have a good motor, you can still kind of get around and get, you know, make plays and, and the skating isn't that, that big of a, a problem. So I think in, in McGrody's case in particular, it's the bigger, it's a big reason why he's still a top 20 guy for me is because he is um, everything else about his game is NHL screams NHL. I mean, you know, this, this is a guy that I feel like plays a playoff brand of hockey, you know? So um yeah, if I was more concerned about it, he wouldn't even be in the first round, I think. You know, well, but yeah. Sorry, on a scale of one to five, he's listed as a risk of three and a reward of five. So I'll take that. I'll okay. Take that every Sounds time. good. Uh, you referenced our next uh, player, and again, a guy with a great name. You rank you ranked him at number 19, which is where the Kings pick. So if uh, the draft follows chalk on your projections, Connor Geeky. Would be the Kings pick six foot four, 205 pounds. So he certainly has the size left shooting center. Um, you referenced him already a little bit saying he plays a similar game to, uh, to Rutger McGrady. What else do we know about Connor geeky other than that? He's got a great name. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's the same, like of the, of the first round prospects, I think he's probably the weakest skater um, of the guys. He's, he's strong. He's physically strong. I don't want mm. to get that twisted physically strong. But, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's noticeable. And it like, you look at them, it was kind of interesting watching the top prospects game where you could see, you know, the different players in the CHL that were all, you know, right there. And, 
you, you can compare and contrast them pretty immediately. And you just say, everything about this guy is awesome, except for the feet, you know, and, and the feet definitely need to improve. It's something that will, you know, he is a bigger guy. So you don't worry about it as much with the bigger players. Sometimes it takes them a little bit longer to develop their skating anyway. Um, but he's so smart. I think he's got some of the best, you know, I, I think Shane Wright has the best hockey sense in this draft. Logan Cooley right up there. I would put Connor Geeky in that conversation. Uh, he's around the puck so much. That was the other thing that really struck me. Um, at games I watch is just the puck finds him a lot. And that usually is a player that is when they're in the right place at the right time all the time, that really limits some of the the detraction of of the of the skating ability and different things like that. Um he's got good soft touch skills too. He passes the puck really well. I think his vision is solid. He makes great decisions. Um he's got a two-way game to him. There's power, there's 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 physicality, there's work ethic. So all those things are there. Like I just think, you know, again, if I was so worried about the skating, it's such an important thing in today's NHL that I would put him lower if I thought it was going to be something that prevented him from being an NHL player and a good NHL player. I think that he can still play. Um, it's just, you know, I would love to see improvement in that area. And if he improves in that area, and that's part of part of when you draft a player saying, where can we make them better? Um, you know, that's that if you feel like you can improve that, then you got a real chance to get a, a great player. Now there was a there was a time at the middle of the season where I feel like a lot of people were starting to say, hey, maybe Connor Geeky is one of the best players in this draft, you know, just because of that hockey sense, the production, all those different things. Second half was only okay. Like, you know, he didn't necessarily pick it up as much and the points weren't necessarily as as high. Um, and I think the skating kind of was was became more of a an issue where where, you know, you're trying to pick him around the other guys that you're listing. Um, but I still think he's got a chance to be a real good player, a guy that, you know, is probably a middle six center uh, that does a lot of good things for you. So um, I like him a lot. I think that he's going to be a good player. It's just a matter of that. That skating definitely needs to improve. Would it be fair to say that Rutger McGrady is a play sooner kind of player and Connor Geeky's a bit more of a project? No, I think they're probably on a very similar timeline, to be honest okay. with you. I think that they're very, you know, I think the thing that McGrady's going to Michigan you get a little bit more runway with the college guys. Yeah. Um, you know, you get a little more options. You also feel that you, you always worry about, oh, are they going to actually sign? Most guys won't stay right. the full four years. I mean, like it's 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 a concern, but it's really only a concern when it's a guy you drafted later that all of a sudden is really good. Um, you know, a guy in the first round, you're obviously not going to let stay for that long. So, um, you know, I, I would say that they're both very honest, uh, very similar in terms of where they'll be. Um, NHL wise, I mean, there's still a chance, you know, if, if Geeky can, I think Geeky's, you know, he's, he's bigger, he's a little bit stronger. Um, and he, you know, he's, he's more natural center. Like, I think, I think McGrady more than likely will be a, be a winger. I um, played a lot of wing this year. Um, so, you know, I think that they're both, you know, highly valuable players that, that maybe are, you know, a couple years away, but they have the physical strength. They have the physical maturity to probably not have terribly long of a timeline. It's just a matter of, you know, can either of them prove they're in skating enough? To, to be a factor sooner than later. Next up is uh, a player out of Russia, Ivan Miroshnichenko. And through no fault of his own, there seem to be two, I hesitate to use the phrase red flags, but two eyebrow raising issues. One, he is from Russia. And two, uh, he had a Hodgkin's lymphoma diagnosis earlier this year. So with those two things looming, 
How good is this player? Given those two factors and the fact that he's still a first round pick mm-hmm. in my board, <laughs> I think <laughs> says says he's amazing. Right. Um you the risk factor is gigantic on the player. Mm-hmm. You don't know, you know, the cancer diagnosis was certainly a shock and he the the good thing is the prognosis is good. It's believed that he's in remission, that he's going to be able to resume training, that he could come back sooner than we thought. You know, initially we thought he might miss all of next season. Um, there's it sounds more likely that he'll play next season without the cancer diagnosis. And what we learned is he he so he didn't make the world junior team, and that was the first indication that something was wrong. Mm-hmm. They had said he wasn't in good enough condition to play. We all thought it was because he had a COVID diagnosis before that. Uh, okay. That was not correct. He was basically, so, you know, like he was, he was fatigued and didn't know why. And now we know why. Um, so, so if you go back to last season, the world under 18 championship, I came out of that thinking it's Shane Wright versus Ivan Marashashenko this year. Those two guys are, are unbelievable. They both had sensational tournaments. Marashashenko, um, you know, he, I could not like that player more um, because of if he were completely healthy, no question in my mind, he would have been in my top five, top six for this draft. Um, probably, I probably would have had him ahead of the two defensemen that I have four or five. So that's the other, you know, that's, that's where I could see him being. So that's, but, but again, you're taking huge risks. He's also under contract for two more years with Omsk in the KHL. The cancer diagnosis is what it is, and and we hope that he's going to be better. It sounds like the prognosis is good, but you know teams are going to have to weigh that. They're going to have to really consider that. But I think that if you are a team, especially if you're a team with multiple first round picks, go get them because you might not you might not have a chance to draft a player this good that late ever again. Um, but then there's also the other concern is okay. Well, he's lost a lot of time of development. He's lost strength he's had this focus his his focus has had to be on getting back to health and going through therapy and all the different things that he's had to do to get rid of cancer you know and so he 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 was treated in germany he actually was at the world under 18 championship he met with teams there they were able to see him um it, it you know i saw him there i didn't talk to him um but you know he looked good you know and that was that was very heartening to see that you know he had the 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 ball cap on covering up the bald head, but he was he in in but the kid is just a ball of energy. Um, puck skills are outstanding. His shot is 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 violent and and great. Um, you know, at that World Under eighteen Championship, some of the plays that he was making, just nobody could stop him. Um, and you know, Matt Vaymichkov was certainly the the highlight real generator of that team. Uh, but Marashashenko was right there with him, and he said, "This guy." his skills translate just as well to the NHL. He's not as good a goal scorer as Mitchkov, but geez, the, everything else about him is pretty great. So I think um, I'll be very fascinated to see where he goes. Um, and I think really the interesting thing about the Kings situation, as we talked about earlier, this is a team that has built up a prospect system that is among the best in the NHL. This is a team that has young players on entry-level contracts already contributing to the team. They have time. They have time and they have, the resources to, you know, help this player and and make sure that, you know, they, they don't need them right away. If they believe that the health, if the prognosis is good enough, if they believe they can get them a visa in a couple of years, 
um, to come on over to North America and probably start, you know, in Ontario or something like that. I mean, that to me could be a home run selection in a, in a very dangerous, uh, you know, like it's, there's certainly a risk factor, but you have a chance to get one of the best players in this draft that late. Um, you know, you won't get many opportunities like that again. It certainly sounds appealing <laughs> if it all, yeah, it I all mean, works you know, out. but yeah, if it all, and, but there are so many, what ifs, right? Yeah. So many, what ifs. And in the draft, you hate when that happens, you hate to have too many red, it's not, you know, red flags or, or what ifs or whatever, you know, whatever you want to call them, mm-hmm. you, you have to take that into account, but you also have to, you know, what's the reward? The reward yep. could be pretty spectacular. Bad calls, dirty slashing. We expect a little bull on the ice. But you know when we can't stand it? When we're tracking packages. Looking up tracking numbers, shipping statuses that never get updated. We call bullshit. So we got Route. It's the free app that tracks everything you order online in one place. Route sends us real-time tracking updates, or we can pop into the app to see where our stuff is on an actual map. Download the Route app in the App Store or Google Play, or head to route.com to learn more. No bullshit, just great tracking. All right, so next player on the list uh, was Lane Hudson. We've already talked about Lane Hudson. So we're going to move on to Ryan Chesley, also from the NTDP, a uh, defenseman. What can we say about Mr. Chesley? Sorry, sorry, six foot, 194 pounds, right shooting, which, as we've said in previous episodes, means he's probably not a likely candidate for the Kings. Right, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, I think he's very much in a similar vein as, as Brock Faber, where it's a two-way – um, you know, okay offense, but really great defense and a, a tremendous skater. Um, Chesley is one of those guys that uh, every time I watch him play, I think he's better than the time I saw him before, um, which is is really impressive. I thought he had a great under-18 world championship where he showed that he belonged in the first round conversation. I had him in the second round for a long time this year. But, you know, the skating, the the defending um, you know, you look at the defensemen that have come out of the national team development program over the years, especially on the same cycle of, you know, they, he, he, he was coached by Nick Four, who's worked with the defense for years um, and, you know, had guys like Jake Sanderson and Tyler Clevin. And then before that, you know, going back to Charlie McAvoy and Noah Hannafin and Zach Wierenski, um, they've just consistently developed outstanding defensemen at the NTDP and I think Chesley is really a guy that took advantage of everything that they that they teach there. He's great at angling off plays. He's great at closing gaps. He's really good at retrieving pucks and getting them up ice. He has enough offense to keep you honest. Um, you know, so he's probably based on what the Kings have, he's probably not an option. You know, he's probably not like this wouldn't be super high on their list, but he is the t- kind of player where you say, hey, we can see this guy being on our blue line for a really long time. Probably, you know, second pairing guy for the most part. Maybe on your power play, probably not though. Um, you know, didn't play much power play this year, um, but you know, there's a lot to like about him. He's headed to the University of Minnesota, so he's gonna have a chance to just hang out with Brock Faber and learn from him uh, next season. And um, you know, I think he's a really an, an interesting player and a guy that I think is only gonna get better as time goes on, and, and maybe is underrated because he doesn't have the the explosive numbers and the great, you know eye-popping skill that some of the other defensemen in this draft have. So this question isn't fair, but is he better than Brock Faber? I would say no. Um, okay. I think at the same time, and I I went back and reviewed, I think Brock Faber was a player I got completely wrong in this draft year. 
Okay. And, and, and because of that, because of that, I feel like that's how I've changed my tune on Ryan Chesley this year. I had Faber as a second round prospect that year. And I've, as I've seen now, the things that he showed then are not a ton different than what he showed now. It's just that he has more opportunity. He was buried behind Jake Sanderson and you didn't necessarily see it as, as easily. Now we see it all the time. I think that I didn't allow that, uh, that same thing to happen to Ryan Chesley because he has the skating ability. He has the defensive sense and when needed, the offense is there. So, um, yeah. So I think that because of, because of Brock Faber, that's why Ryan Chesley is in my first round. Gotcha. All right. Moving on, uh, the next player you had listed was Liam Ogren. We talked to Sixth and Funkfist about him out of Sweden, and that brings us to Yuri Kulich from uh, Czechia or the Czech Republic. Six foot, one hundred and seventy-two pounds, left shooting center. Um, what can we say about Mister Kulich? Kulich, Kulik? Kulik. I'm, I, you know, I usually am just writing the names. I'm not usually sure. saying them out <laughs> fair, loud. Fair, so fair, that's sure, where. Yeah. And 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 if you wanna. Yeah, if you want to see people really butcher names, just talk to NHL scouts. They will butcher some. Yeah, names. no. <laughs> Listen, we've uh, our head coach still refers to Arthur Kelly as Kaleev. So <laughs> I just call him Marty. I just call yeah. Him there Artie. you go. Yeah. Uh, side note, though, I was fascinated to learn very recently that the Czech Republic has sort of um, changed its name to Czechia. Right. Yeah. Is, so is basically, it or Czechia? it's Czechia. Yeah, okay, Czechia. Czechia. Yeah. Um, it, it's 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 interesting and. We're still adjusting to it in hockey because obviously, you know, not many Americans are going to have the Czech Republic in their lexicon right. for sure. most other things, right? <laughs> right? Unless they're like, oh, I really love to would love to go to Prague, wouldn't right. we all? Um, but but the thing is, is actually the Czech Hockey Federation asked the IHF and asked all its partners and, and and everybody to say, hey, please refer to us as our official name, which is Czechia, which is. Basically, they wanted to get away from the political designation of Czech Republic mm. because and and be similar to their other their nearby you know countries, Slovakia, yeah. for instance. We don't call it the Slov. It's the, right. technically the Slovak Republic. Um, you know, we don't call it that, and so they wanted more. Czechia is a regional name as opposed to a political name, and so that's why we are now referring to them as Czechia. So yes, so it, it will be an adjustment. But if you are a, a hockey fan, just get used to Czechia. That's how right. it's going to be. So I'm going to try and do that. So, so what do we know about uh, about Yuri Kulik? Well, Kulik is a guy that you know throughout the season I think was kind of underrated. Um, his his numbers just kept getting better in the Czech Pro League, and then he had a breakout performance at the World Under 18 Championship. Now he he did make Czech's um, World Junior Team. He played really well there. He actually, um, you know, the, the, we only got. Um, a couple of games of of that, um, two games, but he really popped in those two games for the Czechs. And so um, that was kind of interesting. And then the World Under-18s happens, and he scores nine goals in six games. He's named the MVP of the tournament. Czechia goes on to the they, – they play for the bronze medal. They end up losing to Finland in that game. Um, but he had a hat trick against Canada in that game, including an overtime game winner, which was kind of uh, amazing as – I don't know if you can hear my dog going nuts in the That's background. Right. Huge Czechia fan, uh, <laughs> my dog. But yeah, so so Kulich, uh, what he did throughout that that entire thing, it was just it was Im- impressive to watch him in the World Under 18 Championship. So this year he played in about like 49 games of in the Czech Pro League, 14 points. It's actually pretty good production for a, for an underage player in that league, um, you know. But that doesn't really give him a chance to shine. So when we get to see him with his peers, we we see the full complement of his skills. 
He's got probably one of the best one-timers in this class. He scored with that one-timer so many times in the under-18 World Championship and with his his pro side um, in in uh, in the in Czechia. And so, you know, he's an average-sized guy, but he's got really good offensive instincts. He pops into space well. Um, he's got a real competitive drive to him. He's a center that can score. I mean, you know, getting scoring centers, that's really – um, you know, it's an added bonus. I think he will be a center at the next level. I think he'll probably, you know, need a couple of years of seasoning, strength building, things like that. Um, but to me, that performance at the World Under 18s was basically the exclamation point on a season where he just got better as the year went on. Really starting, I think that the World Juniors, for as brief as it was, was a real confidence builder for him. And I, I heard a lot of NHL scouts coming out of the World Juniors saying, hey, more people should be talking about this guy for the checks because he's really starting to come on. And then, of course, he has a great second half and an even better under-18s. And now he's a first-rounder on just about you know every list. He's another guy with uh, eight positive attributes listed and a very short list of negatives. His strengths, motor, work ethic, speed, hard one-timer on the power play, good at protecting the puck, playmaking, two-way game, good anticipation in both the offensive defensive zone. And his negatives needs to build up his strength. Big deal. That'll happen. Hands need to catch up to his feet. I feel like that's not a, a huge concern. And then consistency in, in his overall game. And as we said now in four episodes of this, consistency develops over time. Right. So it just it's, sounds uh, yeah. like he needs to bake a little bit more. Exactly. It's just a guy that we've when you want to see that improvement over the course of a season and that and we saw that this year. So that's you know, that's the thing where it's it all of those things that are listed as negatives are in an upward trajectory right now. Um, you know, and I think he's an incredibly intelligent player. I think the hockey sense is high end. I I just I think that he has shown over the course of the season that there are some real special attributes that he has. Um, I agree with all the strengths there. Um and, and I think that he's gonna be um, he's going to be a pretty good player. And I think, you know, if he's still on the board at 19, you know, that that's a pretty, it's a pretty good guy to grab if you can. All right. We're going to leapfrog your 25th player. Cause I want to finish with him. We're going to go to 26, another fantastic name and another player that I've actually heard of without going to look for it, Jimmy Snuggerud, uh, yeah. from also from the NTTP. Uh, it's a great name. <laughs> Snuggy. Yeah. Uh, six foot two, 185 pounds, big fella, right shooting wing. Um, could you see the Kings winding up with yet another player from the national de- development program? Yeah. I mean, it's certainly possible. It's certainly a fair range for, for Snuggeru to go in, um, you know, on the line that he played on, he, he often, he played a lot with Logan Cooley, a lot with uh, Cutter Goche, um, you know, so that they had, you know, a smaller center with two big guys on the, either side of them. Um, and I really like Snuggeru's work ethic. I think he, he's great on the four check. He digs out pucks. He's, he, he's kind of a gopher for that line, you know, go get it, go get the puck, go, you know, dig it out for, for, for Goche, for, for Cooley. But then he also has really good scoring ability himself. He's got a a shot, you know, it'd be nice to see him use it even more. I think, you know, when he, when he goes to Minnesota, he's going to be looked to, to be you know, an offensive producer. Um, they're going to have a lot, they're going to have to lean pretty heavily on their freshman class. And luckily he's got his center going with them, um, you know, with Cooley heading to Minnesota as well. So uh, I think that uh, Snuggerud, um, you know, the reason I have him a little bit lower than most of the other guys is just I think that there are so many dynamic skill players. He's more of the, you know, power, hard driving, um, forechecking, physical guy. Um, and, you know, there's nothing. Maybe it's not flashy, but he's really effective. And, um, 
I just really like watching him play because I think that he he plays the game the right way. He doesn't take shortcuts and he's got great work ethic. And um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, he's got NHL bloodlines too. You know, it's dad's Dave Snuggerud, and um, he's uh, he's got a chance to be uh, to be a really good NHL player. I think I'm fascinated by the draft. Right. It's drafts. You know, it's a list. One team goes up, next team goes up, next team goes up. So there has to be an order. And then because there has to be an order, scouting services and scouts start ranking players because they have to worry about who they're going to take. And then all of a sudden we get this conversation that sort of, even though I don't think it's intentional, it implies that there are certain things that are better than other things. Right. So you just you just listed why he's a little bit lower on your list. But if I asked you point blank. Chris, do you think that players that fit this profile, and then I gave you his profile, were less important than players that fit a different kind of profile towards winning? I'm guessing you would say no, not necessarily. Correct. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And yet, and yet, because of the nature of the beast, this is yet another reason why I don't like the draft. Um, because of the nature <laughs> of the beast, we create these lists, and then because the lists exist and get talked about, and players are shuffled up and down them, that then creates the sort of subconscious you know, dialogue inside every fan's head and you go, oh, well, Mikey Anderson was taken in the fourth round and, you know, Jacob Chikrin was taken in the first round and therefore Jacob Chikrin is a much harder player and a much more important type of player than Mikey Anderson. Meanwhile, Mikey Anderson's fantastic. Yeah. And and not that Jacob Chikrin isn't, but like nailing the fourth round theoretically should be just as important as nailing the first round. Yeah, I mean, the it's it's all about collecting NHL talent, right? You got to find guys that are going to play. And, you know, I I think... When you, the way that we rank things, it's typically who do we think has the most potential to be the biggest impact player, mm-hmm. you know? So that's what you do. And so players that, players that fit Snuggerud's profile typically don't pan out as stars, but they right. are guys that you win with, you know? And so that does matter. And even if you don't get the stars, you got to have those guys too. And you mm-hmm. should and if you can draft them even better now they're typically a little bit cheaper on the free agent market but you would much rather have that guy in an entry level contract and be under team control for 7 or 8 years where you know the and and then that guy is a, is is a is a stalwart for your team for years to come um so i think it's a really good point i think for him you know like that's the thing he's okay he's not as dynamic but you watch any ntdp game last year and he was a big factor in all of them um you know, so maybe he doesn't have the the high end skill of a Frank Nazar or a or or a Logan Cooley, but he's still making an impact in the game. And those are guys that you know that matter too. So, and it you know what one of the things when you said about the draft in the fourth round when we when we apply, it's not so much the rankings before the draft. It's once what those numbers mean when they get drafted. When you say when you put a number next to a guy, if you'd say this guy's a first round talent, automatically the mind thinks that guy is absolutely better than whoever else came after him or should be. But that's not how it works out. And, you know, like all the time we see, you know, just because a guy's the number one pick doesn't mean he's going to be an immediate success. Just because a guy's the number three pick doesn't mean he's going to play. You know, like those are just there are so many different things that you kind of take into account. But um, ultimately the players are going to dictate how that's going to go. Um, and the teams certainly have a role in development and all those different things. But, um, yeah, I mean, after the draft is over, I don't even think about the numbers that they were drafted at. I mean, I do to a, to an extent <laughs> sure. because that's, that's where I was on them. You know, I, I think about where I was on them, mm. but you have to just continue to reassess the players with almost a clean slate every year. 
um, and because we also will evaluate post-draft players as well. Um, and that's one thing that I've learned is focus way less on the numbers that they were drafted at, focus way more on what you see and what the numbers tell you. So I think that's a really excellent lead up to the final name on this list. And the reason I leapfrogged him and wanted to finish off with him is because this is a guy that I was led to believe the last year and the year before that would be the de facto number one pick in this year's draft. And he didn't just slide to number two or number three or number four. You've got him ranked what now 25th. And I don't hear his name nearly as much as I had when he was whatever, 15, 16, 17 years old. We're talking about Brad Lambert out of Finland. Um, So how does a player go from consensus number one pick two years out to being a late first rounder two weeks out? Yeah. So I'll say that I'm probably lower on him than most other public sites. I think Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not a hundred. I'd have to look. I'll give you some of his rankings right here. NHL central scouting has him fifth amongst European skaters. Um, Future considerations has him fifth. Uh, I don't know who Peter Barracchini is. Apologies, Peter. He's ranked him seventh. Andrew Forbes has him seventh. Matthew Zator has an eighth smart scouting as him second. Bob McKenzie, 11th. Dauber has him 13th. So, I mean, even if he's not as low as 25, that's still a far cry from, oh, that's the guy. Yeah. Craig, I just I just saw Craig Button's list, and I, I love Craig because he does not go off of consensus <laughs> at all. And right. I and and I respect him for it. He has he has Lambert 42. Okay. So I don't get to lay. I don't get to lay claim. I don't get to lay claim to having him lower than everybody else. Um, so here's here's how that happens, Jesse. Like basically, um, Brad Lambert was far exceeded what you would normally expect from a 15 year old mm-hmm. um, when he first got there. He had a he played in the Holinka Gretzky Cup. He was you know produced at that first Holinka Gretzky Cup that he played in. Um, you know he he was at the uh, youth Olympics and was okay there. Um, but yeah, he had that first year that he did the, um, that Holiki Gretzky company was 15 or 16 and he had three goals in three games. Um, and then he got called up to, he, he played his first pro games at 16, um, got into four games with Helsinki and had two assists and like, wow, this is amazing. He had a great under 17 world challenge. All of his international games are just like, Oh, here, this is the guy. He was the best player. The next year, really good. You know, it, it was his first full pro season at 17, 46 games, 15 points. You're like, okay, that's pretty good. It's pretty good. Five points at the uh, under 18 worlds, four points at the world juniors. Okay. Wow. Okay. He's, he's going this year. No progression. No progression from year over year. No progression. You mean he repeated his performance from the he, previous? He season. repeated his performance and didn't add anything to his game that okay. wasn't already there before. And in the end, so here's the other thing: he's been on three different teams over the last three seasons. Um, they have bent over backwards to find a place for him to succeed, mm-hmm. um, and it and it didn't work. He went to his home club Lati at the end of the season. So he started at JYP. He goes to Lati after that. And still, his numbers were worse at that point. He had four points in 25 games there, six in 24 at JYP. Um, he did have a really nice World Juniors for the two games that he played in. Um, 
So it was productive and everything. And he basically, you know, that for this season, that was the only time that I saw him where I was like, wow, there he is. There, that's what it, that's what he's, that's what we've been waiting for. Um, the problem with, with Lambert, I think is that there's just no, there's been no consistency. There's been no natural progression from, you know, production. Um, you know, he's, but then, but here's what it comes back to then again, why he's still in the, you'd say, okay, well, a player like that, why is he even in the first round? Um, and you know, like Craig, for example, doesn't have him in the first round. And I considered not having him in the first round. The reason I stay, stay that way is this isn't a particularly strong class as you get further down the list. He is the best skater in this draft. He has some great skill level, but for whatever reason, it didn't lead to points this year. It, you know, and part of it is he doesn't get inside very well. He can be too perimeter sometimes. You know, he's what good is fast skating if you never get close to the net, really? I mean, that's, that's, it's just the way it is. Um, when I was at the under 18 world championship, I, I, I really, I just really wanted to dive in. I wanted to get Finnish scouts. I wanted to get their opinion. So anybody that I met that was from Finland guys that I didn't meet, didn't know before, but the, the conversation would inevitably get to, what do you think of Brad Lambert? And I talked to one guy I said, I would never draft that kid. I was like, wow. Whoa. Okay. Okay. Um, I talked to another who said he is an immense talent. First rounder all day for me. Um, I think there's a lot that we would, you know, be concerned about. We'd have to work with them. But the thing is, is that, you know, they've, they've tried to fix the problem of this lack of progression by moving to different teams. And it just, it hasn't panned out. Um, I don't think there's anybody out there that feels like real strongly that it's a character issue or that there's things like that. It's just for whatever reason, it hasn't clicked for him. And, you know, when you see that, you know, a lot of these players, we need to see that progression in order to feel comfortable with where they're going to project out to be at the NHL level. And when you when you see a player that's either plateaued or regressed in some ways, um, that gives you a lot of concern about where he's going. You know, he's not doesn't have great defensive value. His 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 value is in, entirely when he has the puck. And this year, he didn't produce at a level of a top end player. So um, yeah, it's it's a tough one. It's he is he is he is an enigma. Uh, to me, you know, obviously he's he's a, he's a a Canadian friend, a Finnish dual citizen, so he's already you know it's already unique in that way. Um, Lambert has said that he's open to coming to North America next year, which would probably mean playing in the WHL as opposed to playing the AHL. I just don't think he's ready for for the mm. AHL by any stretch. But maybe he goes to the WHL, he gets his mojo back, and then you get you get him back on track. Maybe, but that's a big maybe, and so, I think it's a huge risk. So there's two. Uh, narratives that pop into my head and I don't know that either one of them are true and certainly there's a million other possibilities but in my mind when I hear you talking about them I'm thinking okay is it possible that this is the kind of player that Pete Russo and I have talked about in the past I don't know if you know Pete or not but brilliant as far as I'm concerned and he always talks about kids that if they hit a growth spurt or they come into their physical prowess early because they're earlier than all of their other teammates the coaching staff who are also you know, competitive and also trying to advance their own careers, they will lean heavily on that kid, give that kid tons of ice time, you know, because the kid shows an aptitude early, you know, or maybe it's not aptitude, maybe it's just physical size. And then the kid advances through, gets more ice time, gets a reputation because of the reputation and the size gets more accolades and, and, and is more highly thought of than, than perhaps is warranted. Is it possible that Brad Lambert got that reputation, got that kind of, praise and 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 you know 
impressions of him. And then there just really wasn't a realistic, you know, you say he, he hit a plateau, but like at some point, maybe there just isn't a realistic next step. And then the second narrative that I feel like might happen in a situation like you're describing is that perhaps he just not again, not as a matter of poor character, but just the, you read your own clippings day in and day out. And, and you know, where does that internal motivation, if you're 17 years old and you've been told for two years that, you know, you're amazing and then nothing changes with you as far as you're concerned. You do the same work, you put in the same effort. And then, but now people want you to keep that almost impossible upward progression. Is it possible that we're somewhere on that spectrum or, or does it seem more likely that it's a, a third, fourth, or even fifth thing that we're just not, nobody knows. Yeah. It's tough to say. Like, I mean, it would be, di- I feel like it would be different. I don't know. The thing about him is, is that, you know, he wasn't, physically bigger mm. than anybody he was pretty average size and in some cases undersized um but i think what happened with him is he was able to get by in his skating for so long that the other parts of his game didn't develop as much that's fair and and that's that's the thing so one of the guys that really was a phenom in finland was barkov and Barkov, the thing that gave me concern in his draft year was he was so big and strong already. How much bigger and stronger is he going to get? How much better is he going to get? Well, a lot better. And <laughs> so at seven, at his younger, his underage season um, in Finland, he had 16 points in 32 games. In his draft season, he had 48 points in 53 games. Brad Lambert had 10 points this season. And, and it, you know, so he, we saw with Barkov, it just kept going up and actually it spiked in a way that was unprecedented at that point. Nobody had done that before at that age. Um, and I think that, you know, we we expected Lambert to hit that kind of trajectory where he was going to go way up. Um, and but again, like I think I think part of it was. Enough of his game, the rest of his game didn't develop, whereas. Barkov wasn't just big. He was skilled. He could make plays. He did all these different things. He kept adding and adding and adding layers to his game. Um, and I think that, you know, the more that we've watched Brad Lambert over the years, the more one, you know, where I really started to notice the trend was not heading in the way that we wanted it to was at the under 18s last year. Um, because he was, you know, he should have been a guy that dictated every game he played because of his speed and just everything was to the outside and there was nothing getting inside. And it was just like, you know, why, why isn't this happening? Why isn't it clicking for him? And uh, this year it was the same thing. And um, like I said, he is, he is the best skater in this draft. He is a dynamic talent. He still can very well put it together and that's why you take it, but you just have to know those risks going in and you have to do a heck of a lot of work on the development side. And you also have to do a heck of a lot of investigation on the character maturity side as well to figure out why there wasn't, you know, is it a work ethic thing? Is it a competitiveness? Is it, you know, um, you know, what, what is it? Um, you have to do that investigation because he's such an immense talent. You watch him play and you say, there's no way this guy is in a first round pick, but then, you know, you keep watching and you keep watching and saying, I would expect to see a lot more from a guy that we thought could be a number one, number two pick in this year's draft. All right. So Fergus Howard, McGrory, geeky, Marishnashenko, Chesley, Kulik, Lambert, and Snuggerud. 
Chris, I wave my magic wand and turn you into Rob Blake. Who are you taking with the 19th pick overall? <laughs> um, I think I would probably take McGrody. Um, I think that he's the guy that he, I think he fits the Western conference style. I think he fits the Pacific division. He gives you some heaviness. He gives you some goal scoring ability, some work ethic. Um, you know, you've had success going through the, the, um, some success going through the NTDP with the players that you've had. Um, he's a guy that's on a good track. He's going to be going to a good program in Michigan where he's going to continue to develop. Um, I just think stylistically, he's a good fit there. Um, you know, would you like him to get a little bit quicker? Absolutely. But I think that, that he's, he's improving in that regard. It's something he knows he needs to work on and he's working really hard on it. Um, you know, he comes from a family, his dad is the general manager of the, uh, of the Muskegon Lumberjacks. So he comes from a hockey family, you know, he's, 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 uh, he, he's born in Nebraska, but you know, he, he did most of his important hockey playing in Michigan. And, um, I just think that he's going to be one of those guys that, uh, you draft him. And you just know he's going to be there eventually. Uh, you, you let him develop and you know he's going to work his butt off to get there. And so I think stylistically uh, of the guys that we've talked about, you know, as, as as we've gone through and as I've just been thinking out loud here with you, I just feel like McGrory is the guy that that makes a lot of sense there. Well, you just made me look this up. Can you tell me how many NHL players there have been born in Nebraska? Zero. Three. Three? What? Yeah. What? Yeah. Okay. I need this list. All right. Johnny Metz. Matt? Johnny Matz. Sorry. Born in 1891. So oh. <laughs> played 30 NHL games. Okay. Uh, Jed Ortmeyer. Born in 1978. Played 345 oh, yeah. games. Okay. And Neil Pionk. Born in 1995. 303 games. Oh, so that's right. Go. And you know what? Wasn't Jake... I think Jake Gensel was born in Omaha was as he? well. Yeah, well, I think then, so. Uh, he at least he he lived there for a period of time. He might not have been born there, but he lived there for a period of time. If that's um, true, then Quant Hockey needs to update. <laughs> yeah. So I think. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. 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 So, look at that, Jake Gensel, Omaha, Nebraska. You're right. All right. Yeah. Get on it, Quant Hockey. Yeah. So. Yeah, but I mean, like, yeah, that's that's the thing. I because I think uh, his dad Jimmy was the was the GM of the Lincoln Stars, Lincoln or Tri City. I can't remember one of the one of those teams. But yeah, so I mean, this is a kid that was born into hockey, and uh, you know, I, I, I like the player a lot. I, I really do. Um, Character wise, I don't think you can find better. Well, like I said, he's one of the few players that I'd heard of already. So uh, if you like him, I like him. Chris Peters, thank you so much for joining us. Jesse, I really appreciate it, man. It's always great to be with you. 